How are you? Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. Calm down. So, we started a series on We're doing it uh, because it's a book about how to handle and face hard times. And when you read the book of Habakkuk, you see right out the gate, Habakkuk doesn't like the way God's running things. And so that's the bottom line, and he lets God know about it. Chapter 1, verse 1, we looked at this last week. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Yep, the law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. He's complaining to God, saying, Why are you allowing all this evil and suffering to happen? And the Lord answers him. The Lord replied, Look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Now, I've seen that, that, I've seen some coffee mugs with that verse on it, right? The problem with that is the context of the verse. Because the next six verses are about how God's going to use the Babylonians, a wicked, powerful nation, to judge Judah and destroy them. So that is what you would not believe, even if you were told about it. That's just an odd coffee mug verse. That's why when it comes to the Bible, context is everything. So God's response is, it's going to get even worse. I'm going to bring the Babylonians. They're going to invade your country. Habakkuk prays and cries out to God again. He says, I'm even more confused now. I don't get it. He says, aren't you everlasting, Lord? Why then do you tolerate the treacherous, he says. He says, are you going to allow the wicked to swallow up people that are more righteous than they are? And then he says this great line at the start of of, uh, Habakkuk 2. He says, I will climb up on my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. He waits to hear God's second answer. He prayed. God has a first answer. He prays again. Then God will have a second answer. Habakkuk waits. That's what the Bible calls waiting on the Lord. This is a major theme in the Bible, waiting. How do you feel about waiting? Who here enjoys a nice long wait? I don't like to wait. I don't like to stand in line. I don't like to be at a stoplight, sitting behind a driver who can't find the accelerator when the light turns green. I don't think anything makes me more irrationally impatient than that. As long as it's red, I'm fine, but that thing turns green, I want to move. So how good are you at waiting? waiting? I thought I'd give you a pop quiz, okay? Just to see. I'm going to walk you through a couple scenarios and ask you how you think you would respond. Okay? Cool? Here's the first one. You're at a toll booth. The driver of the car, uh, the, the, the driver of the car in front of you is having, having an extended conversation with the toll booth operator. Think for a moment how you would respond. I'll walk you through a couple possible responses. A, you are happy. You observe they are practicing community at the toll booth. You consider forming a fellowship group. Or B, you attempt to drive your vehicle between the other person's car and the toll booth. Okay, second scenario. You've been sitting at the waiting room of your doctor's office for an hour. How do you respond? A, you are grateful. 
because you get a chance to catch up on the 1993 Reader's Digest. <laughs> or B, you get so bored you force yourself to hyperventilate to get immediate medical attention. So that pop quiz can kind of show you how you feel about waiting a little bit. Now these are kind of fairly casual kinds of waiting. We put up with them. However, there are other more serious and difficult kinds of waiting, right? There's waiting, uh, of, a, there's a waiting of, a, of a single person to see if God has marriage in store for him or her. There's the waiting of a childless couple who desperately wants to start a family but doesn't seem to, just doesn't seem to be happening. There's uh, the waiting of someone who longs for, for work that is meaningful and significant, but it doesn't happen. Uh, we are all waiting right now and will be for a while that this pandemic, for this pandemic to s- subside. Whatever the situation, waiting is hard. So today I want to take some lessons from how Habakkuk waited on the Lord. After Habakkuk prays a second time down in verse 3, God answers Habakkuk a second time and says, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Habakkuk's looking for answers, and God says, I'm going to give you some answers. I'm going to send you some revelation. But it might seem slow in coming. It may take some time. So if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. To wait means be patient. To wait means don't give up. Don't despair. When everything makes no sense, when you're confused, you don't know what's going on in your life. Instead of giving up, be patient. That's what waiting on the Lord means. Be patient in your troubles and your circumstances. Have patience. Wait. Those are not popular strategies or ideas at all in our culture. Like, I mean, how much do Americans love self-help books and personal growth tracks? We eat that stuff up, right? But I don't know of many self-help books where the strategy is like, just wait. Just be patient. No, no, no. Just wait. But here's what the Bible says. James 1, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Or Romans 5, 3, we rejoice in our tribulations, knowing they produce patience. And patience produces character. Character, hope. That hope will not disappoint us. For it brings the love of God shed in our hearts. See, when bad things happen, if you meet it with patience, it turns you into a person of character. You grow. Right? If you watch war movies, there's usually a scene in all these movies where there's a soldier and he gets wounded and he has a shrapnel or a bullet in him, right? And the medics have to do surgery to save his leg or whatever, but for whatever reason, the surgeon has no more anesthetic left. Every, every war movie is like this. The patient's going to be awake while they get the bullet out. And so the medic says, you have to stay still. No matter how you feel, you cannot flail around, right? That's our only chance to save your leg. If you move, if you flail around, it will be worse than if we didn't do surgery. When circumstances, bad circumstances, disappointments hit, you can either flail around and become a more bitter person, or you can be patient and turn into someone who is actually, in the end, more peaceful, a person of greater character and hope. So how do we wait on the Lord? I think Habakkuk shows us some keys. First, we see he says, I will climb up my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says. So, why did 
Why did cities at that time in history build towers? They built towers so you could see what was coming, right? They could see enemies coming from up there. They could see weather rolling in from up there, better than they could down on the ground. We have like satellites now. They had towers back then. So what does it mean when Habakkuk says, I'm going to wait on the Lord by going up to my tower? What does that mean spiritually speaking? It means you have to put your your confusion, your bad situation, COVID, shutdown, whatever it is, you have to put it in the bigger perspective of everything the Bible tells you. You see others in the Bible do this too. Paul says in Romans 8, for I reckon. So now the word reckon is the word logozame. It means I add it up. I calculate it. I think it out. I work it out. He says, for I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not comparable to the coming glory to be revealed to us. So Paul had a lot of sufferings. But he says, I put it in perspective. My sufferings look really big until I compare them to the glory that will be revealed. He's looking at the big picture, which makes his sufferings look small. Paul is meditating on the glory that is coming so that when it looks like, when he looks at his suffering, he can handle it. Waiting on God, waiting on the Lord is not a passive thing. Waiting on the Lord means thinking like that. Going to the tower, putting things in perspective. The other thing we see Habakkuk say is, I will stand at my guard post. If you're, if you're in the military, you know this. Even if you're not in the military, I'm sure you know this. But if you're, on, if you're on guard duty, it doesn't matter if you're sleepy. doesn't matter whether you're bored. doesn't really matter how you feel. doesn't matter your circumstances much at all. You may not leave your post. You can't say, well, you know, I've been up here for day after day. There's never been any enemies. I'm tired, I'm bored, going home. Can't do that. Habakkuk, even though he is struggling with God, he doesn't get what is going on. He's asking God some really hard questions, but he says he will not leave his post. He says, I will stand at my watch. I'll station myself on the tower. You may be weary. You may feel God is absent. You may be getting absolutely nothing at all out of your Christian walk. You may be incredibly confused about what's going on. You may be experiencing disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. You may be getting none of your answers, your prayers answered. You can't leave your post. Even when you don't feel like it, you still do your duty. What often happens when God seems absent? and you have disappointments and difficulties in your life, oftentimes what you see is people stop coming to worship, stop praying, stop reading the Bible, they drop out of their small group, stop serving people. Why? They have some self-pity, some, they're self-focused, and then they feel that they aren't getting anything out of it. Someone wrote the great pastor and hymn writer, John Newton, and said, I'm just getting nothing out of praying. He wrote back, basically, I can absolutely assure you, you'll get nothing by not praying. So keep at it. Also, the word waiting, even in English, doesn't mean waiting around. right? Why do they call them waiters or waitresses? They're not waiting around. It's to listen. And it means to serve. One of the things waiting on the Lord means, even when you don't feel like it, you still do your duty. Waiting on the Lord obediently also does not mean doing, doing the things... Sorry. Waiting on the Lord obediently also does not just mean doing the things you should do, it also means not doing some of the things you know you shouldn't. That might be a double negative, I'm not sure. But in times where you're weary, you're disappointed, you're empty, it's very easy to just want to feel good. 
So you do things with sex, you do things with money, you do things with food, uh, alcohol or drugs, you check out. You do things to make yourself feel good. That's also leaving your post. Waiting on the Lord means you don't leave your post. You do what you're supposed to do. Do the next right thing. We plant our feet and we stand at watch. That may mean at times that we are faithful to him even when we're getting nothing out of it. Why? Because we love God for who he is in himself, not what he gives us. If you read Job, if you read Habakkuk, if you read the Psalms, the authors of those, they're, they're wrestling, they're angry, they're struggling. They're asking God very hard questions. But in the end, they stay with God. Why? Because they're people who love him for who he is. They're serving him just because he's God. They're loving him just for who he is in himself. And I really think to get to that place, it only ever happens through tough times. It's much easier to love God and be faithful to him when everything's going great, right? But I think that deep, at the core faith is built in tough times. And if you stick with him and if you learn how to love him no matter what, if you learn to be faithful to him even though you're getting nothing out of it, when the darkness lifts, you will find a profound fortitude. There'll be more character, more hope. There will be peace that you didn't have before. That's what happens when you come to realize, I'm, with, I'm, I'm in this with God forever, period. I'm with him simply because he is God. I'm going to stand watch and station myself in that. Henry Nguyen, not long before his death, wrote a book called Sabbatical Journey, Sabbatical Journeys. And in that book, he writes about uh, some friends of his who were trapeze artists. They were in the circus, and they, their lives had an effect on him. They were called the Flying Rudellas. And one thing they told Henry Nguyen is that there's a very special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. Uh, the flyer is the one that lets go. The catcher is obviously the one who catches as you might imagine, this relationship is important, especially to the flyer. When the flyer is swinging high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when they have, to, they have to let go. And they arc out into the air, and they told Henry, their job is to remain as still as possible and to wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck them from the air. The trapeze artist told, told Nguyen, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but they must wait. Some of you are in a place where you're waiting on the Lord, but you want to start flailing around. You want to make things happen. You want to take the situation into your own hands. Can I just encourage you that you can always trust his wisdom and his timing, and you can wait with confidence. Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. He always catches us. We just have to wait in absolute trust sometimes. In Luke 12, Jesus is telling a parable about a master who goes away on a trip, and he says this. He says, be dressed and ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. So the point he's making uh, with the parable is he, he, he wants his followers to wait for him, to wait on him, to live patiently, to live obediently because they're waiting on the Lord. Then he ends the parable like this, Luke 12, 37. 
He says, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. So whenever Jesus says, truly I tell you, or verily, verily, I tell you, he's saying something we should really pay attention to. Because whatever comes next is going to be like shocking and amazing. And what he says next is amazing. He says, at the end of time, I'm going to have all my people sit down at the table, recline, get comfortable. Then he says that he will dress himself. In other translations, it says that he will gird himself and wait on them. On them. What girding yourself meant back in those days was it, uh, if, if you're going to do some intense action, you had to pick up your flowing robe and you had to tuck it into your belt so you could focus, so you could run, so you could do something intense. It's often used as a, as a, in the Bible as a metaphor that means to focus all of your attention and powers on one goal. So here's why this is shocking and amazing. He says, I'm going to focus all my attention and power on giving you all joy, all the honor, all the fulfillment that I possibly can. He says, if you wait on me, I'm going to focus all of my powers on making you as happy as I possibly can. But he's omnipotent, right? He's gonna, he says, I'm going to concentrate all my infinities and immensities on giving you absolute, infinite joy. That's what I'm going to do if you wait on me. I will literally wait on you. I will gird myself and I will serve you. Seems unbelievable, doesn't it? But we know. We know it's going to happen. We know Jesus is going to gird himself and serve us on the future day. Because he did it in the past. On the night he died, he girded himself and he washed the feet of the disciples. He waited on them like a servant. I think if you can see Jesus Christ, the the Lord of the universe, willing to lay aside all of heaven and come down and wait on you and me by going to the cross and not giving up in the Garden of Gethsemane, even on the cross, I think that empowers and allows us to wait on him and do it with joy. Wait on the Lord. Stand at your watch, station yourself on the tower, patiently wait with God's perspective, obediently, unconditionally, and you'll find it's really perfect freedom. Amen? Amen, Bruce. Amen. I'm one of those ones that doesn't like to wait. But waiting on Jesus, waiting on the Lord, definitely is rewarding. So let's just pray into that. Um, And then afterwards, there'll be time of ministry up front. Uh, In fact, if the ministry team could come up now, that would be great. And uh, so if you'd like prayer... For anything, uh, for everything, uh, come on up front um, and get some personal ministry. So, Lord Jesus, we just ask your forgiveness for taking matters into our own hands, Lord. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are wise. You are brilliant. Lord, you know how life works and how it's supposed to work and how it works best, Lord. May we trust you, Lord, enough to, to wait and to just uh, be patient and to see you break through, Lord.
Lord, I'm reminded of the time when uh, Abraham was not patient with your answer. <laughs> you had promised him a son, and no son was coming, so he took matters into his own hands. And even to this day, uh, that's a whole nation that has risen up against uh, the your people Israel, Lord God. And, and so, Lord, we ask, Lord, that we could be patient and wait to have your solutions, your answers, uh, to see you break through, Lord God. Lord, we know that you want to do uh, greater things than we can even imagine, Lord. And so, Lord, we just want to tune ourselves to your ear. Lord, we, want, we ask you to increase our faith, Lord, so that we could believe you for the, the best things, Lord, the better things, Lord. And we could see you break through, Lord. So, Lord, even in this pandemic, when we're all ready to be done with it, Lord, we just we continue to pray, Lord God, that you would use it, Lord, to bring awakening and to bring uh, revival and reformation, Lord, uh, to our nation. In Jesus' name, amen.